0: Hello, and welcome to the Frontier Strategy Group podcast series. FSG is the leading information and advisory services partner for emerging market executives. We partner with business leaders at over 230 multinationals by providing them with information assets, advisory support, and consulting services that help inform and power their emerging markets growth strategy. The focus of today's podcast is FSG's 2017 Events to Watch our flagship analysis of the key upside and downside scenarios that multinational corporations should be closely monitoring. This year's report highlights seven global events. My name is Richard Leggett, and I'm the CEO of Frontier Strategy Group, and I'm joined today via phone by Antonio Martinez, FSG's global economics practice leader. As a reminder, this research and all of our insights are available to FSG clients via our Frontier View platform. Antonio, thanks for joining me today.
1: Good to be here, Rich.
0: This is a super timely discussion, uh, as many of our clients are beginning their fiscal years. And as the report's headline indicates, 2017 inaugurates a new era of uncertainty. In fact, Antonio, we'd normally be having this discussion around November. However, given Mr. Trump's victory, the FSG global research team felt it was prudent to revisit our initial set of events to reflect this new global reality. And an overarching theme to this year's piece is that in 2017, developed market politics is a growing driver of global volatility. Now, we have a lot of ground to cover over the next 15 to 20 minutes. We'll try to keep it to that. And I'll break the discussion, if we can, into two main parts, a bit about the methodology underlying the analysis, and then we'll dive into the events themselves. Does that sound
1: good? Sounds great.
0: All right, let's jump right in. So, Antonio, first of all, the process for creating this report usually begins in the July-August timeframe, and I thought it's always worthwhile when we take on uh, something as vast as these events to watch that you start by describing FSG's methodology and approach for the analysis, uh, which essentially whittled down hundreds of potential events and scenarios to a short list, which ultimately this year is seven. Could you talk a little bit about it?
1: yeah sure we we start by doing a bottoms-up analysis driven by conversations discussions with our regional analysts and what they have found the disruptive events to their key markets the ones that they cover and they think are the events that was most likely to disrupt uh, their forecasts their expectations and client performance uh, now this can amount to hundreds of events uh, so we can then reduce our focus on a couple Dozen potential events, and and then we do uh, discard them based on whether or not you know if, if they don't they are they offer a pretty extremely low likelihood, have really marginal impacts on 2017 business results for multinationals, have a limited geographic effect, or as we found this year, are included in FSG's base case scenario. For example. A super dollar effect hammering emerging market currencies, which we expect uh, will be one of the key themes in 2017. After this, we actually do a top-down disruptor identification looking at what scenarios may severely impact our global growth projections and MNC performance 2017, which usually then points into a combination of what's happening to a major developed market, China and commodity prices, though not only those factors.
0: So, so you've made two major innovations or changes to this year's uh, analysis as well. The first is that this year's report focuses exclusively on global disruptors, where in prior years we've kind of blended global and regional. Uh, let's talk about how clients can adapt the global events to their specific regions and also where to find regional specific events and disruptors.
1: Well, we decided to focus on drilling down factors that are likely to impact emerging markets across the board. But when you look at the list of, uh, and we'll talk about them a little bit later, uh, the list of events we've chosen, they have uh, pretty much ramifications just across the board in different ways. Whether, uh, Whether you're looking at an event around trade protectionism or you're looking at the ramifications on commodity prices, these will impact each region, but you can also Uh, When you're looking at potential disruptors for particular regions and markets, that's when you can look to the regional outlooks, which uh, have already been released and will be uh, updated over the next month uh, and focuses on those key disruptors at the more regional and country level.
0: So use this report in conjunction with uh, two other assets that we have, the global outlook and the regional outlooks. The second innovation uh, in this report is that for each event, you've provided what I refer to as a dual vector analysis uh, of the potential impact to market opportunity for our clients, and also to business operations. Can you talk a little bit about the the underlying criteria that you score each event along each of those vectors?
1: Yeah, we wanted to deepen the analysis of disruptive events for uh, multinational MNCs by focusing on how they will actually disrupt on one side, and one of those key vectors is market potential, by which we mean how government spending levels or government spending priorities, business investment and sentiment, can. consumer spending, uh, and also the ability to compete effectively. On the other side, we also wanted to focus on operations of multinational. We focused predominantly on pricing power, supply chains, labor costs, and channel performance. Uh, essentially, we wanted multinationals to think about not only how they will be impacted from the demand side but also look at their ability to continue to apply their markets effectively if one of these disruptive events were to occur.
0: So it's much more than just a predictions list. This is really a business planning tool and 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 a framework for how to interpret the implications the so what now what for your your business and your and your contingency plans.
1: Exactly. And we want to make sure that our clients are let's just say looking at uh, you know not just thinking about strategic these these potential uh, events once a year during their strategic planning and then putting it uh, putting it away, but really map those to how they are going to achieve their targets, their objectives over the year, uh, and make sure that they're paying attention to that aspect of it. And as we can go into developing contingency plans uh, in place for them.
0: All right, let's shift to the events themselves. The main, the main event, if you will, and we highlight seven, seven specific events. Given that we have some time constraints for this discussion, what I suggest is that we dive a, a bit deeper into. Uh, three of the events, uh, three of the seven, and then, and then maybe we'll do a speed round for the other four if you're up for it. Does it make sense?
1: Makes perfect sense.
0: All right, let's get started then with the first event. And the first event uh, is titled China Loses Control. Can you talk about this event in brief?
1: So we've been talking about a hard landing in China for several years, and it's still something that uh, basically every multinational out there needs to be concerned about even if they're not in China, even if China is not a major market for them, they, they the ripple effects will be great. What well, this event is really kind of a transformation of that, really focusing on 2017. And really, it's around seeing the Chinese government potentially fumble its efforts to manage the growing imbalances that we're already seeing in the real economy and in its financial markets, when you might see crisis in real estate, in the banking sector and in currency markets, overwhelming its ability to cope. And really the impact here would be that that inability is proven, and then you start to see a severe loss in confidence in China's central government's credibility and its ability to manage its economy. And when that happens, then we are in a whole new world.
0: And you give this event a 35% likelihood of happening in 2017. Um, help us frame the 35%, because that doesn't, on the surface, appear to be uh, on the one hand, if I saw, if I had a 35% chance of my house catching fire, I'd probably buy insurance. But on the other hand, 35% is not, you know, not a sure thing. But it's it's on the high end of any of the events that we're, we're focusing on.
1: When we talk about that 35%, uh, it's actually among the most, uh, among the events that we're looking at, it's among the, the highest likelihood. Again, if, if we're looking in terms of our base case, still the expectation is that China's economy will continue to slow. But uh, let me just say, in a very gradual way. Uh, What we see in that 35% is that there's a 35% chance, especially when we look at the impact on the the market potential globally, that you might see that uh, our global expectation of 2.8% growth might be coming down a full percentage point. Uh, So I think our clients need to think about the severity uh, of the impact, even if it's say not a better than 50% probability. So I think definitely companies need to be thinking about that because it's going to impact uh, not only China, but its trading partners, commodity exporters, and just about any other market that has any linkages uh, to the global economy.
0: And what about the impact to business operations should this event play out in any, any form or fashion?
1: We think that Chinese, the Chinese market, uh, you know, I mean, I don't. It's self-evident that it's very Chinese. The Chinese market is very important for most multinational supply chains. So the 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 fumble could have an impact on uh, labor costs, on the ability to supply their products not only to the Chinese market but to other markets, and will significantly have a negative effect. Uh, on operations. Although I think many companies will be worried about the business operation aspect of it, but the, the market potential is an even bigger uh, problem here.
0: Got it. And what actions uh, should clients take now, in your view, to be prepared for this event? And I think this is a universal question across all the events, so maybe we'll use China as the example and, and then, you know, keep that lens in mind as we think about other events.
1: Well, we always talk about contingency, building contingency plans for not only yourself, but your Chinese partners and your local operations, really focusing on diversifying your market portfolio, focusing on resilience. And even when you're looking at just the Chinese opportunity, ensure that you are prioritizing the part of China that is most accessible to most resilient uh, to any kind of shocks that might, might occur. Uh, And again, this is basically just setting yourself up for success. China, most multinationals have made a big bet on this market. And even if you haven't, you probably made a big bet somewhere in emerging markets, and they will be impacted as well.
0: Great. Let's shift to the second event, Antonio. It's labeled uh, Trump Trade Chaos. It sounds like a a headline Mr. Trump would would write uh, almost himself. Uh, Clearly, our clients are all dependent on trade for their success. This event in brief, uh, in a brief few words? What we
1: see in this event, or we call it, it could be a a series of events. But when we look at it here is that um, basically, Trump uh, moves in a direction towards uh, implementing protectionist protectionist measures against major trading partners. And really the ones that come to mind are obviously Mexico, but even more importantly, and significantly, China. Uh, What we could see over this year, and I think markets are probably underpricing the, the potential for this, is that you can get yourself, particularly with China, in a tit-for-tat trade war, uh, or even uh, with, with Mexico in an exit from NAFTA without a plan going forward. All of this would have a severe ramifications uh, for global trade, obviously, uh, but also, I would say, in financial markets, you'll see significant volatility. Uh, so overall, this is one that, uh, let's just say, wasn't on necessarily on our radar quite as much as. Uh, Six months ago, but it is something that um, just about every multi every emerging market executive we talk to uh, is considering. So you
0: give this one a thirty five percent likelihood. Uh, although I think the likelihood, if I if I dig a little deeper, is uh, of, of some policy changes are are is greater than thirty five percent. But the the confluence of all these mm-hmm. factors coming together is more of a thirty five percent likelihood. Um, can you talk about the impact both to markets yeah. quickly and then to business operations?
1: Well, I would say when we're looking at 35% that is if uh, the we do expect to see at least some years. We just don't expect it to be a necessarily as our base case a big fumbling of those. Um, But we do think at the very least that uh, in terms of the impact to markets, if this event were to occur, um, obviously markets like Mexico, uh, and let's just say any market that sells into China uh, will be severely impacted. You'll see a, f- a significant FX devaluation coming from China. You'll probably see, uh, let's just say, a significant uh, volatility uh, across your APAC markets, across your LATAM markets, if this were to occur. Uh, and basically, even globally, looking into EMEA, uh, it becomes a question mark when both China and the US, uh, two of the major growth drivers of two of the two biggest markets in the world, uh, are in this kind of situation. The prospects for global growth are not good. Yeah, and you do agree. Good... On the business operation, yeah. Sorry, so... go ahead.
0: No, finish, please.
1: And on the business operation standpoint, really, the the question mark. Becomes what do you do uh, when you basically your your expectations for your supply chains, uh, let's just say uh, being protected, being shielded by the usual rules, uh, are not really in place? I think that's something that uh, companies are going to need to rethink their localization strategies uh, going forward.
0: And you go into that in a little more detail in the, uh, in the analysis of the, the, the various scenarios and, and the signposts to watch. Let me shift quickly to the third event that we'll go a little deeper on. And that one is, that, uh, is titled Populists Crash the Euro. And I think this taps into the, the broader trend around populism we're, we're seeing in a number of markets. But this one's specifically around the whole euro. And this one you place at 30% probability. Could you uh, give us the, the event in, in brief?
1: yes essentially when you look at the 2017 electoral calendar in europe uh you're basically looking at more opportunities for brexit like or you know trump-like situations occurring in markets such as france uh, uh netherlands uh, and germany and potentially even italy depending on how political politics shape shake out there uh essentially what we see here is um, you get the in one case where they're still not you know probability in any of these markets, but you get a populist government in power, one that is seeking in one sense to another to either exit the Euro or exit the European Union project as a whole. Uh, And this will cause significant financial volatility in the short term, uh, in terms of both depreciating the Euro, uh, getting it to below, well below parity with the dollar. And also, you know, always you have to look at Europe, you have to think of the banking sector. This could potentially weaken it further uh, in the short term,
0: and the impact of that obviously is you know dramatic, not only in terms of currency but also in terms of the credit credit cycle and lending, which uh, has slowly started to recover in Europe. But uh, anything to set that back would would set us back uh, many many years, I would imagine.
1: Yes, I mean, but then again, I always go in with the same question mark. I, we also add, uh, addressed as well, flag as well, that uh, there is a potential that even as when the, as these populist governments go into power, you actually do start to see some movement towards fiscal stimulus. So this is not an entirely negative story, um, the same way Trump's election isn't an entirely negative story. Uh, so there's at least some uh, avenue for hope. It's just unlikely to fully be felt in 2017
0: Yeah, so, so, sort of what we've seen happen with with brexit where things have stabilized a bit in terms of the economic outlook for the UK however the the, the, the future of the euro really uh, hinges on uh, on on the rest of the major countries holding together and if, if we see some of this populist movement and and the political will shift that that puts the foundation on shaky ground okay. Um so with that if I could I want to move to the speed round for the other four events uh watching the time. So what what I suggest is maybe for each one maybe explain I'll, I'll name the event you explain it in brief and then maybe provide two to three key impacts. Does that sound reasonable?
1: Sounds perfect.
0: All right, let's start with event number 4 which is uh labeled Rest in Peace Pax Americana. That's a 10% likelihood. Uh give us give us your 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 view.
1: Yes. Uh essentially what we're talking about here is that uh, uh, President Trump uh, removes U.S.'s global security umbrella, particularly in East Asia and in Europe, in favor of more of a transactional, trans- transactional interest-raised foreign policy, which is we do expect to see, but not to the point of, say, exiting NATO, exiting some of the other collective security agreements that it has. The impact here uh, is going to drive a much more instability uh, globally, uh, so you might see an, adver- an aversion to long-term investment, you'll see greater flashpoints of insecurity. Uh, and in many cases, you'll see military spending boom, um, which, because we, you know, most of our clients are not in the uh, defense industry, won't necessarily be a positive as it changes, shifts, shifts priorities, spending priorities in markets like Japan uh, or Poland, among others.
0: Okay, next up, workforce localization crackdown,
1: 20% likelihood, go. We've already started to see that uh, there's a growing backlash to globalization in developed markets and some slowing growth in emerging markets that has led to severe restrictions on labor mobility across markets. Um, essentially, what this means is that uh, the standard operating procedure for multinationals is, let's just say, less, there's less flexibility getting built in. And this means there's going to be higher premium on specialized skills in key markets, more limited management mobility. And let's just see uh, certain markets where you have seen significant labor exporting. uh, The the gains from them from a remittance standpoint will be fewer. I mean, this is a market like Mexico and India, among others.
0: All right. Next up, oil supply shock, which is surprising because we had oil uh, supply essentially glut several years ago. But now oil supply shock, 20 percent likelihood. Uh, which is, I think is somewhat of a mixed bag event. But go ahead and give us your, your quick view.
1: What we see in the oil supply shock is, in a sense, what can drive oil prices back up $5 per barrel. Well we have currently over the last few months, we started to see a little bit of an uptick. Uh, that's because of the OPEC-Russia uh, production agreement uh, that has caused at least uh, an end to the oil glut. But what we see here is that there's many different... Uh, Uh, factors that can, uh, well, markets that can go down given the the level of uh, instability built in after several years of very low oil prices. We're talking about Venezuela, we're talking about Nigeria, we're talking about obviously markets in the Middle East and North Africa um, that have and continue to suffer from severe instability. Uh, All of this would be, let's just say, negative for those markets and negative for uh, consumers in non-oil exporting markets, but would be a short-term boost Uh, to those markets, those non-disrupted oil producers. Uh, So that would be a benefit. And it also might be a boost for the U.S. shale as well.
0: Great. And then the final event, Antonio, uh, is the U.S. infrastructure boom and the 35 percent likelihood for 2017. Obviously, a lot of rhetoric around this during the elections uh, and very much a positive demand driver, but only a 35 percent likelihood for 2017. Uh, Please frame that one for us.
1: Well, the question mark is not whether or not we will get some level of fiscal stimulus this year from the Trump administration. We probably will. The question is whether or not infrastructure will be a major component of that or a minor component of that. Um, If we're talking around uh, the initial campaign promises of a trillion dollar investment, then you can really see this uh, uh, infrastructure boom taking place, especially if it's not just in terms of tax incentives, but actually some uh, fiscal spending on the line. Uh, now, the the negative on this is that it's, it's why well, we don't give it a 100% probability is that we expect this is going to be significantly watered down by the GOP Congress, and we expect that uh, something closer to $250 billion, probably mostly in tax incentives, uh, will be what comes out of this. Uh, again, there's still a little bit of hope that something bigger might occur, but um, this is definitely one of those events to take into account um, as you're looking at upside opportunity. Great. Okay, Antonio,
0: in closing, um, I know that was really fast and there's a lot more depth, but uh, we have limited time. So in closing, I I did want to just close the loop on 2016 and the 2016 list for a moment. Uh, We're often asked about FSG's hit rate for these events. And while no one has a a perfect crystal ball, um, I'll just point out that in the 2016 report, we highlighted 11 events, of which eight uh, came to pass uh, either entirely or partially, and three didn't uh, play out yet. Any comment you wish to make about the 2016 results and hit rate?
1: And again, on this count, we're also, these are all events that we had at best a 35%, and usually somewhere around 15 to 20% likelihood. Um, but what we did see is that uh, the wave of subsidy cuts in MENA did occur. Uh, we did see a little bit of China rallying around the flag, uh, which we talk about in terms of China protecting its own. Uh, Domestic players, I think a lot of our clients would say they've definitely seen that occur. Uh, The Eurozone austerity backlash will have definitely occurred and it's still right now the base case for us and other events such as Schengen border disruptions has been pretty clear now part of our workforce localization crackdown events and other factors, uh, particularly crisis in Turkey, uh, the continuation of the property market situation, uh, meltdown in China it's a continued risk. And the corruption crackdown in LATAM is still uh, something we're concerned about, uh, especially uh, uh, given recent news over Odebrecht. So uh, I think we got a pretty good list of of events that have occurred or are still in uh, among the risks and probably in our regional disruptors. Uh, The ones where we didn't uh, really hit on was we didn't see anything close to a Cuba monetary unification. as we know, Fidel died this year. And so, uh, and the government has been very, very lax in terms of wanting to move forward with reform. We didn't really see too much of, uh, uh, we saw movement from India uh, in terms of reform, uh, and we didn't see states, uh, states get in the way on that front. Um, and we haven't seen any protectionism from Russia, which doesn't mean that necessarily uh, Russia's economic management has been excellent, but at least protectionism hasn't been a big part of the story.
0: Great. Well, Antonio, I want to thank you, uh, as always, for this excellent and insightful discussion. I wish we had more time and we could, I think, spend hours on this topic as we've barely scratched the surface. I, I do encourage all of our listeners to read our in-depth analysis. And also, you can schedule individual briefings with our team on these events as part of your upcoming leadership meetings or just uh, if, if you want to schedule a one-on-one briefing. The report is extensive. It provides scenarios, signposts, and suggested contingency planning frameworks for each event and uh, and is very thorough. As a reminder, uh, FSG clients can speak to Antonio or any member of the FSG research team at any time by scheduling time via your FSG client relationship director. And all of FSG's research, frontier data, leading indicator data, curated news feeds, and other content is available and always updated using our Frontier View dashboards tool, which is part of your Frontier View platform. This concludes our podcast. Until next time, we wish you great outperformance across your developing markets portfolio in 2017 and beyond.